Welcome to HR in 15, a podcast dedicated to addressing the complexities of modern HR in just 15 minutes. Brought to you by Prestige PEO, simplifying HR. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of HR in 15. I am your host, Eric Fudum, Chief Operating Officer here at Prestige PEO. With the impact of COVID-19, today we are going to discuss a topic called grief. Grief in the workplace, in our everyday lives, as well as other types of situations. We welcome a very special guest, as we always have special guests here on the podcast, but today we welcome Ron Glenn Kelly to the show. And he, Ron is an award-winning author, a keynote speaker, a professional grief counselor. Ron's here to share how business leaders can respond to the overwhelming emotional impacts of COVID-19 and create safe, safe work environments for employees. Ron, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well, Eric, and, and humbled that you would have me on. I, I just hope I can add some value to what you're passing on to, to those that, uh, that you're helping. Yeah, well, it's a very um, emotional topic that we're talking about today. Um, it is. I'm excited. It, it kind of it needs to be talked about, especially in light of what's gone on in the last seven months in our country. So, yeah. um, you know, your insights are going to be very important for our listeners to hear. So uh, I do hope. Yeah, I do hope so. And I, oh, by the way, um, I mm-hmm. noticed something. Is it possible, just to, you know, kind of lighten the mood here, uh-huh. that you're potentially a Washington football team fan for the NFL? Well, not, not potentially. I have been. I have been. I've been through the ups and downs. It's, it's probably any football fan out there who it refuses to give up their own city and has been through the turmoil that I have. God bless you. Um, and here I am again. I don't even have a name. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you I'm a fan of right now. <laughs> well, we're calling you Ron Glenn Kelly in our show, but the bottom line is, is look, you're talking to a Jet fan, so oh, very anyone, good. Yeah, if there's anyone who needs counseling, I'm pleased, it's probably me. Um, but we can talk about that off 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 the show. All right, let's oh, let, let, let's let's get the party started. All right, now I, let, let's take it back a little bit. You know, sure. I think it's important for our listeners to understand where you're coming from. Um, yes. I think your story is very powerful. I mm-hmm. I, I would like you um, just to uh, briefly explain how you've experienced grief in your life oh i have i've uh, you know aside from uh, like many of us at my age i mean i've lost a, a mother and her father and both i'd rather not have but i also had a 16 year old son and only child who was born with with heart defects bless his heart you, you no pun intended but you couldn't look at him and tell he had any problems but uh, he had a prognosis for a full life even though we went through many many medical interventions uh during his lifetime uh at 16 years of age we went in for a uh, you know, I say routine, nothing's routine when it comes to medical procedures, but heart catheterization, which he had been through before, uh, went through that heart cath very well, came out in recovery and uh, his heart crashed. And, uh, you know, the hospital did everything they could to revive him, but it was his time. Um, yeah. You know, I moved on from that point and, and went through a number of things that we could discuss, you know, uh, at a later time. But I sure. had uh, I'd lost my identity, you know, for one thing. In my life, I'd been a Marine, I'd been a, a police officer, I'd been a federal agent, um, you know, and I gave all those up voluntarily to move into private business. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I never wanted to give up was being a father. So who was I once I lost my son? And, you know, it, it came down to a crash of that. And, and fortunately, I, I found my foundation and found my way back. And then I started sharing some of my discoveries with others and, and working with some amazing people in the mental health field and, and thanatologists and anthropologists who really helped me to, to get the word out there to other people, both in my writing and my speaking. And today I am someone who is filled with, with peace and purpose 
uh, as I came through a, a, a period of my life, which sometimes takes people in the opposite direction. And it brings me here today with you. And it brings me great joy. I, I find, I find the joy. I feel the joy in your voice. Um, oh. I, I can tell, you know, just in the, that last minute of how you, you speak in general, that you're an inspiration and, uh, and I, I look forward to, to, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about. Oh, uh, please. I noticed that if, you know, you have a ton of books and content, you know, mm -hmm. that you've created. Um, yes. And, and I think one of the areas that you focused on is understanding, in, and then this is, I guess, one of your books is mm -hmm. called grief in the workplace. Okay. Right. Right. Well, where, where our business, you know, focuses on the workplace and making sure our, our, our customers, um, are compliant. Mm -hmm. One thing, you know, I don't think we talk probably enough about is are our employees experiencing grief and then coming, having to come back to work. Right. right? So, mm -hmm. so can you just tell us a little bit about obviously the book is, but, but basically the, the main premises is that go into having grief and, and an employee that needs, that's going back to work, maybe when they're not ready. Oh, absolutely. It, it's hard to say for anybody when they're going to be ready. Grief is so unique to each individual. And, and of course it depends on the, the severity of the relationship, mother, father, uh, sibling, a child, in my case, things like that. But, you know, many times we're, we're driven back to work for a lot of reasons, whether you call it company policy or whether I just need to make sure I've still got a check coming in. Uh, normally, the type of, of this level of grief that, that I deal with on the top end of it is something that's profound and traumatic. Um, and it, it, you don't just get over it. And when they come back to work, uh, and, and I've been guilty of this before I experienced my loss and I was in the workplace as a leader, uh, I'm going to get over that person's grief a lot faster than they are, no matter how compassionate I am. Um, but it does impact the employees when they've been through not just a loss of anybody, but even if it's another uh, traumatic event in their life, an unwanted divorce or a change in their, their uh, physical health, something like that, it stays on their mind. And you know, it changes us to a point where it might change my sleeping patterns. It might change my eating habits. It, it certainly, it dives into my creativity, which is so important at work sometimes and, and down to the bottom line of productivity. And, you know, what we try to talk about in the book in great length is it really, it, it takes nothing but an awareness and understanding of the employer, of the leadership within any organization, whether it's for-profit or non-profit, to realize all I have to do is have an understanding of what they've may or may not be going through and then we can help them handle it right so so and this is kind of important to note about that word or the term you're, you're describing in terms of compassion right right and having right. compassion for individuals who are experiencing a period mm -hmm. of grief like what what other you know kind of um terms are there where a company you know can react to grief, if I may. I know compassion is one. What what, what are other types of responses that we you might want a company to have or might not? Well, and, and let's start with the might not areas. I mean, and thank goodness that they are the exception, not the rule anymore, because we've come out of the 1920s industrial era. But there are still companies out there which I deem to be hostile towards grief in the workplace. And whether it's grief or whether it's anything that's brought from the home, uh, it just doesn't have any place in the workplace. Uh, I have learned, and I'm sure you have too. I mean, being a, a leader of people, I don't want somebody to come to work who is not the same person they are at home. Now, I, I don't want them to, 
to influence a workplace with it, but I have to have an understanding and knowledge that uh, that that person is going to bring personal issues to the workplace, and hostility is is certainly no way to deal with it. Um, you know, I, I may put up with it because I need my paycheck. Uh, you know, there are so many different levels of work, but sure. beyond hostility, you come to a classification. But let let's skip ahead back to what you were talking about with compassion. There are so many wonderful forward thinking companies out there, and. I'll do a quick aside and tell you not enough of them are touching this grief in the workplace issue, but we have seen leaps and bounds. We can't deny it. In your line of work, you know that there are so many more morale and welfare programs out there, ways to enhance and retain the, the right people to work in your company. And we do that by being compassionate in so many ways. And it's amazing. But in the middle of those are, are those companies that want to remain indifferent to grief. And what I mean is, they, they, it's not so much they're turning a blind eye to it. We all love uh, employee assistance programs, EAPs, they're great. But in my mind, it's one more way that I can say, okay, take this grief out of the workplace. I don't want to hear about it anymore because I've provided them with a the means to get away from it. Uh, indifference in my mind sometimes can equate to the same thing as almost being hostile to an employee who's bringing their emotional issues to work. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And it's so it's almost like, you know, you'd rather not want to be indifferent to sure. to grief because oh you have to be proactive you do yes exactly that was the word i was looking for mm -hmm. and obviously hostile is never a nice a nice word to even bring in the conversation so it really so so i can imagine how you talk um so about compassion and right. having compassion for people in general not just mm -hmm. employees you right. know you know what something um that i i, I thought was really interesting was mm -hmm. the fact that I don't think we realize how many dollars are lost on individuals that are working maybe with grief in the workplace. Um, and, yeah. and I found it interesting that you're, you were able to kind of quantify that a little bit. Oh, sure. Can, yeah. Can you I, just, yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say it, it's astounding when I came up across the, the, the raw figures of it and put it all together. And it really, it really wasn't me who put it all together. It was a, a, a commission study that did it, but I added to it with my own and empirical data. I didn't just, bring things out of the clouds, but uh, put empirical data to it. But I had gone to do a, uh, a keynote speech at Delta Airlines uh, in front of employees. And, and that's when I started realizing that, you know, I'm going to talk directly to employees. I'm going to study grief in the workplace before I do. And these were, these were employees that were uh, grieving the loss of a child, but I wanted to get ahead of it and, and think about grief in the workplace. And this was back in 2015. And I was just completely blown away to learn that that we are, and again, I can't list out all the empirical data for you here, but as uh, U.S. organizations are losing over $100 billion in annual revenue, wow. annual revenue each and every year due to the influences and impacts of grief in the workplace. And the, the flip side of that is to mitigate that cost is really nothing. Absolutely nothing other than that forward thinking, uh, let's get in front of it, sort of compassionate attitude. Right. So, I, I mean, my, my take on it or interpretation might be that the loss of revenues due to lack of productivity, loss of productivity from, from workers, right? Mm -hmm. That oh, yeah. are just not, you know, 100% in tune with their job. So the fact that we can be more compassionate, you know, as employers, as leaders mm -hmm. will you know, kind of drive up our productivity for people that are, are in grief, right? Are in grief oh, sure. Changes. Yeah. 
And, um, and to, to, yeah. to get in front of it and to actually be compassionate to somebody will be an investment in the future of that employee. And I think that's, that's really where we're, uh, we're all aiming for as business leaders now is to realize that each employee that we've got is actually an investment in our company. Um, you know, in the long term, uh, and word gets around, people know what kind of company you are. I mean, our branding is not just in the industry. Our branding is in the community and in the employees that will come to work for us. Um, and, and listen, Eric, it's not something that I want to put on my, uh, my uh, recruitment page that we have a wonderful bereavement program, but right. um, it gets to be known. That, that you really are taking care of your employees in every manner. Let me, let me take it the other way. So how, yeah. how can employees be more compassionate in the workplace? Right. Because, you know, they're there, it must be, it's, it's just different, right. It when is. someone comes in to the office and you know, is is not feeling right. is feeling maybe low. Um, it's mm-hmm. not there. How, how do employees get to be, or how should, how, is it, is there something we can do to help employees be more compassionate? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it is, uh, and I don't want to annoy anybody, but I think it's a top-down situation. I think it comes from leadership. Uh, we're the ones that go out there and, and learn how to uh, to make sure that our employees are, are being treated the best. And, you know, our frontline employees, sometimes they don't know how far or how not so far they can go in a day. But when we as leadership go out there and coach them, uh, and what a proper response may or may not be. Uh, and it, we're not talking about having a sit-down session with employees, but but on a day-to-day basis, trying to let them understand what it means when somebody is coming back to work and they're hurting from a loss or they're hurting from a profound event in their life. So it, it really does come from the top down, from the leadership. Yeah, you know, it's one of um, your writings um, has been a, a title called um, from ashes to inspiration, reaching mm-hmm. greatness after crisis. Right. You know, and, and that, I, I think, I want our listeners to really understand that you can have, you can reach greatness sure. after grief, right? Mm-hmm. Can you just you can. expound a little bit on on your writing and, and how, you know, our, our readers, our readers, our listeners too, hopefully readers, can uh, <laughs> can, can can work with, with this work? Uh, yeah, and if I could just give you kind of a not so much a visual, um, sure. but but something in your mind that you can sort of pass uh, pass along and think about is we use this phrase so much in our lives. The bottom dropped out. I know you've probably used it, haven't you, Eric? You've said at some point the bottom dropped out of your life, right? Being a Jeff fan, you use it every day. <laughs> Going back to football, yeah. uh, touche. Yeah. Uh, but but where do we go when the bottom drops out? Where do we go when we go through the fire? Because we use that phrase too. We've been through the fire. When, when the bottom drops out and when we've been through the fire, really what it does, if we want to think about it, is it takes away everything that is false in our lives and it leaves us only with the truth. And if we're standing someplace in the truth, we can rebuild. We yeah. can see once again beyond the fog of, of um, ego, as it were. You know, I, I, uh, Ego is a, a thing that we all have, but something we've got to certainly watch out for. And ego plays a, a large role in rebuilding yourself. Um, I, I get to cheat a little bit. Um, I often tell people that uh, you can't judge me. I don't care. I've lost a child. What are you going to say about me that's going to bother me? Um, but we do live with our egos quite a bit out there. Um, when we go through the fire, when we, we have the bottom drop out of our lives, we leave so much of that baggage behind. And if we can just open our eyes and realize now that I'm, I'm free to, to, to go and be who I can rebuild myself to be now, it's amazing. 
it sounds amazing. It and it and it really um, becomes very powerful, powerful stuff. Um, what what do you for for individuals or listeners who have had grief in related to COVID nineteen, yes. um, either to death or a near death or, you know, someone very close to them, maybe Mm -hmm. um, with so many deaths around the country, maybe it's hard for any of us not to be impacted. Sure. What would you tell them? What would you say to them right now? The the similarities in between what we're experiencing as a nation and as a a world right now, actually with with COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, while it's not quite as traumatic as as child loss or loss of a spouse, We get frightened, confused, afraid, anxious, so many things that we could sit and talk about when somebody takes something away from us against our will. Does that make sense to you? Yes. We never get anxious, afraid, or concerned when I voluntarily give you something. But if you were to take something away from me against my will, uh, against my control, uh, I have no control over the pandemic. I have no control over the loss of my child. It was taken away. and, And now just like I didn't know where my future was without being a father here on earth. I didn't know what my future was when the pandemic hit. Was I going to lose my job? Was was my spouse going to lose their job? Uh, will it be here next month? Will it be here three months from now? I can't plan my future out anymore because somebody, somebody has taken my future away temporarily and hopefully I can rebuild it again. So there is quite a bit of similarity in between what we as a nation and a world are, are going through it doesn't make me any more well prepared, but I think uh, I think people can see where the similarities lie. And, and I have been through the panic of not knowing what the future holds, um, but having the faith to know that it's there because we'll make it through. We will make it through. Mm-hmm. That's why I love the title from Ashes to uh, to Greatness to Inspiration. Sure. Um, it's sure. really really inspiring. Um, Ron Jeffon. Oh, I had a blast. Uh, I, I, can we do this for another two hours? 100% we can do it for another episode. For three hours. <laughs> yeah, stuff that really is, is, we can touch on so many different things. Um, with that being said, um, if you want to reach um, Ron, it's just very easy. Just go to rglennkelly, R-G-L-E-N-N, kelly.com, where you can email Ron directly or call him directly. I just want to say that his website is filled with a ton of content that can uh, be downloaded, purchased, or just reviewed in general to gain a better understanding of where, who Ron is, where Ron comes from, and just grief in general. Um, I just want to, as usual, thank you uh, to all our listeners for joining us today as well. Please stay tuned for more expert analysis on the most critical HR topics small businesses face today. You can always check out more episodes of HR 15 on your favorite podcast app or visit hrn15.com. Until next time, and Ron, thank you so much. Um, oh, it was my you made pleasure. us all think think for a day. Um, oh, you humbled me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yes. Thank you. For questions or more information on today's topic, visit prestigepeo.com.